Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome back to the program again this week as we enter into the fourth program that we have aired on Romans chapter 4. Uh, we are doing a study in the book of Romans, and we've already went through uh, three chapters, and now we are in Romans 4. We were talking about in the first three chapters the diagnosis of the problem with humanity, and now we are in the deliverance section of it. We are showing that it is not only the way of grace, it is also the walk of faith, the dynamic duo, if you will. It is by grace through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Even the faith to believe is because God makes the promise. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And what we've showed you is in the last several segments, let me, let me read a few uh, verses and then try not to comment too much on them as uh, we get down through some of this. Uh, verse 13, I'm going to jump into verse 13 and kind of make some contrast uh, in this segment. If you've missed any of these, this whole study on Hebrews is so vitally important. And if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to go back and listen to them or watch them again, simply go to my uh, YouTube channel or to our podcast or to the RSS feed where we have the audio portions of that on both the podcast and the RSS feed. They have the video and audio on YouTube, and it's simple by simply going to my website, and there is an upper right-hand corner icons that'll take you directly to those outlets where you can view on demand everything that we have aired to date. If you will subscribe to those pages, you will be notified every time we upload something. It costs nothing to subscribe. Uh, but it will keep you informed as we use those platforms to reach literally around the globe. If you'd like to sow something into our ministry while you're there, it's very easy while you've got the website to go to, down through there to our giving section where there is a, uh, a PayPal portal where you can give via credit card or debit card or set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner. That being said, let us get into the Word, and let me begin to read again from chapter 4, verse 13. That famous promise God gave to Abraham that he and his children would possess the earth was not given because of something Abraham did or would do. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for him, which Abraham then entered when he believed. If those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything they are told to do and filling out all the right forms properly signed, and that eliminates personal trust completely and turns the promise into an ironclad contract. That's not a holy promise. That's a business deal, a contract drawn up by a hard-nosed lawyer with plenty of fine print. Only make sure that you will never be able to collect. But if there is no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise at that, you can't break it. Well, and this is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and His way, and then simply embracing Him and what He does. God's promise arrives as pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. it uh, those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard them, for Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father. That's reading the story backwards. He is our faith father. We call Abraham father not because he got, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God gave him something. 
God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we are always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was the first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God and to do what only God could do, and that was raise the dead to life. And a word, uh, and and a, with a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on the basis of what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of people. God Himself said to him, "You're going to have a big family, Abraham." And Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, "It's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body can never father a child." nor did he survey the, the uh, survey service de- uh, decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously quest- uh, skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise, came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what He had said. That's why it is said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's us also. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the One who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. We believe God is able to raise the dead. If you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the qualifications for receiving salvation. It's not a whole bunch of hoops to jump through. It's not a whole bunch of contracts to sign. It's not shaking a preacher's hand. It's not keeping all the rules. It's simply believing God can do the impossible, and that's change you from the inside out because of the resurrected Christ that lives inside of you. Now, let me take you back here and show you something that I think uh, we need to take a look at, because I want to show you that what Abraham does by faith, I want to see, the Scripture says that Abraham never staggered at the promise of God. So what he did with Hagar, he actually did also by faith. Now, before I go over there to Genesis 16 and show you that, let me read this to you from the Amplified Bible in Galatians chapter 4 to show you that these women, Sarah and Hagar, represent two covenants. Hagar, Mount Sinai in Arabia, is the Old Covenant. Sarah, on the other side, is the mother of us all because she's the mother of faith. Now, let me read this to you. This is so powerful in Galatians. And I want to show you that sometimes you can take your faith and put it in the wrong covenant or the wrong thing, and you'll end up with an Ishmael. Now watch this. Tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, will you listen to what the law really says? Now see, he's dealing with people who still... I know there are people watching me, you're still bent on being under the law. You still think, oh, but why we need to make an argument for this law? Let me tell you something. Knock yourself out's all I got to say. Tell me what you who are bent on being under the law. Will you listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai, where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. 
So can you see that Hagar is a picture of people trying to reproduce the promise of God by their performance rather than trusting that God could raise the dead and do the impossible. So Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and is the Old Covenant. Now Hagar is stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem. Paul was talking to the centerpiece of Judaism, which was Jerusalem in that day. For she is in bondage together with her children. In other words, he is telling them that that Jerusalem that was there during the time of him writing the Galatians is, is not Sarah. I am sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is what your Bible says. It says she is Hagar. She's the wrong covenant. It's the wrong covenant that the centerpiece of Judaism. And he said, This is, he said, this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. One originally in Mount Sinai, where the law was given, and bears children destined for slavery. That's Hagar. Now, Hagar is and stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem, for she is in bondage together with her children. But the Jerusalem above, the messianic kingdom of Christ, is free, and she is our mother. For it is written in the Scriptures, Rejoice, O barren woman who has not given birth to children. Break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains. For the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. And you ought to go read that in Isaiah 54, because it says that in Isaiah 54 in the context of introducing the new covenant. He said, Sing, O barren. In other words, as you started to look at some of the stuff that we've read in Romans chapter 4, he didn't consider the deadness of his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's saying, if you have been in a place where it seems like you haven't manifested or produced anything, you need to start singing, and you need to sing a new song because you are going to produce more than those who are trying to do this through human flesh by mixing it at the tent of Hagar with an old covenant mentality, and even, by the way, doing it by faith because Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God. He said, but we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent, as was Ishmael, but like Isaac, born in virtue of the promise. We are a product of the supernatural birth. Yet, just as at the same time the child of the ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably according to the promise of the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is now. In other words, people who are in legalism want to mock and make fun of us who are not in legalism. They want to make fun of, you know, I, I, I just don't even like to hardly address it because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is God is moving in such a way in this great season of Reformation that there's a manifestation that's coming from the grace camp that's going to begin to bring people back in as they are exiting in masses from this old covenant paradigm, and they are beginning to come because God is going to begin at the last to bring forth the promise that only comes through the supernatural birth and not through the works of the law. And so he goes on to say that she, he, he persecuted them. They were born remarkably. But what does the Scripture say? cast out and send away the slave woman and her son. For never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and share in the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So brethren, we also who are born again are not children of the slave woman, but, uh, but of the, uh, the slave woman, the natural, but of the free, the supernatural. So he's talking about moving 
These two women represent two different covenants. Now, let me take you back here into Genesis 16. It says, Sarah, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. She had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Sarah said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abraham agreed to do what Sarah said. In other words, they're taking the faith of Abraham and mixing it with the wrong covenant at the tent of Hagar, and they are going to produce an Ishmael. Can I tell you what we have a lot in uh, in the church around the globe is a mixture of law and grace. We have people trying to take their faith and make something happen through the wrong covenant of performance rather than trusting God to do what only God can do. So when you take your faith, and it's, the Scripture said that Abraham never staggered at the promise of God, so he reproduced an Ishmael uh, through uh, the wrong covenant. Man, I tell you, this powerfully speaks to me. Because you know what? It looks so much like Abraham in the face. There's a lot of stuff about religion that really looks like it's righteous and holy and good, but the Scripture declares uh, it, it may look like Abraham in the face, but it's got the heart of an Egyptian beaten in its breast. It's not bringing you into freedom and liberty. It's bringing you into more and more bondage. And so when you take your faith and you try to mix it with a works-based message, you can see this again from Galatians 4. These two women represent two covenants, one from Mount Sinai in Arabia, and the other was, 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 was the Jerusalem which is above. The Messianic kingdom of Christ is our mother. We are a part of a new Jerusalem, if you will. I don't have time to qualify all of that in just this segment. But Abraham literally agreed to go to the tent of... Uh, and let me just say this, if you don't think your actions are important, this one trip to the tent of, 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 of Hagar, 2,000 some years later, we still have a war in the Middle East fighting back and forth between these two different uh, families, Ishmael and Isaac, until if you think you don't reap what you sow and one, tent to, one trip to Hagar's tent doesn't mean anything, you might be sadly mistaken. It might be good to obey God and stay blessed in the promise where God told you to stay. But Abraham agreed to do what Sarah said. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took her Egyptian maid Hagar and gave her to her husband, Abram. His wife and Abraham had been living 10 years in Canaan when he took this took place. He slept with Hagar. She got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress, just like the Scripture said. She that was born of the natural birth mocked and scourged and, and made fun of the free woman. That's what's happening still today for those who would mock those of us who preach the gospel of grace. They're very clearly uh, the seed of Ishmael, product of faith, but with the wrong covenant. And so uh, they literally put, they cast, you know, you, you heard me read that story just a little while ago of how uh, God told them to go ahead and, and uh, cast out the bondwoman and her son. But I'm going to begin to read this to you from, uh, let me see, the New King James as we go into chapter 18. It said, Then the Lord appeared to him by the tabernacle trees of Mamre, and he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found now favor in your sight, do not pass 
on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may come, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. And Abraham hurried quickly and entered the tent. And Sarah said, quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, meet it, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender kid calf and gave it to the young man. And he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and uh, and the calf, which he prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And so she, he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, and uh, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. In other words, God was about to have the last laugh, because Isaac's name means laughter. But I want to say this to you. Let me see if I can find this quickly. It says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find that really quickly for you. It says um, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it says, By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive. Verse 15, Hebrews, I'm, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. She realized this is not a Sarah story. This is not an Abraham story. This is a God story. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the sea. And now let me just say this to you. The Scripture here in Hebrews 11, attributes the uh, birth of Isaac to the faith of Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive. Now, can you see that we've showed how Abraham took his faith, mixed it with the wrong covenant, Hagar, Mount Sinai. Now, see, Mount Sinai in Arabia was where the law was given. And he produced an Ishmael. An Ishmael that looked so good that he looked like Abraham in the face that Abraham would say, Oh God, let Ishmael live forever. I think that's where a lot of people are at. They love religion, man. They, it looks makes them look holy. It makes them look wonderful, but they persecute those that are of the free woman. But when you take your faith and mix it with the right covenant, Sarah, which speaks of the messianic kingdom of Christ, then what you produce is an Isaac. Now she laughed in the tent, but here's what I'm after. In this, uh, in this 18th chapter of Genesis, after God comes by the tent of Abraham, and Abraham uh, receives the renewed promise of God. This is after Ishmael, after all of this stuff has expired. It's like this follows that. I think sometimes people do what they do in religion, and we are in the same place where some of that's have to be put away as we begin to make a move towards the gospel of grace. 
But when God begins to make the promise, Sarah laughs. And she says this. She said, Shall I, being old, have pleasure, my Lord also being old? Now let me tell you what that says to me is. She didn't just say, listen, here's how I look at it. She didn't just say, forget having a baby at this point. Forget that it's impossible. She said, I just want to know if I, being old, can have pleasure. Can I enjoy my Lord again? See, I think the demand to reproduce had put such pressure on them that the joy of their own relationship was draining. Have you ever met a couple who were trying to have a baby that seemed to be infertile, and they were doing everything they could to have this baby? I mean, the pressure to produce will certainly sap you of that loving feeling. It's like, man, I'm taking my temperature. It's a certain time. And man, my, I'm, my temperature is 98.3. I am ovulating. Let's go. And let me tell you what happens is that'll take the joy and the pleasure out of reproduction. And what we've done with the gospel is we have literally, it's as if you would take a couple that can't have a baby and you start to teach them you get a chalkboard, you draw out the fallopian tubes and the scientific, biological, and what all happens that causes pregnancy to take place. And everybody in the room has got a head full of knowledge of how to have a baby. That's kind of how the church is. We have an understanding of how to give birth to this thing. But we've never entered into a joyful, intimate relationship with our Lord. And so the pressure to produce has literally robbed us of our joy and our Lord. Can I have pleasure? And what I really begin to see is I started thinking about Sarah herself received strength to conceive. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so what happens is, is when the joy of your salvation begins to come back and you begin to realize, wait a minute, this is not just about producing. This is about enjoying your Lord. And if you can get back to enjoying your Lord and get back to enjoying spending intimate time and relationship with Him and that you just forget about producing and you just focus on the intimacy, God's going to get the last laugh because Sarah herself received the strength to conceive. And she gave birth to a child when she was 86, I believe it was, and Abraham was 99 or 100. When it comes to the place where you've come, many people that I've met since I preached the gospel of grace, and this has been an ongoing revelation to me, but many people who came up through the same kinds of a background that I did that was full of legalism and literally robbed them of the joy of their salvation, where it became a drudgery, and it became so full of works and labor that you almost dreaded when it's church time again, and you're going to take your weekly beating, so to speak, and man, your brow beaten, told how bad you are, and what a failure you are. Can you imagine, uh, you know, if every time Abraham walked in the tent, he looked at Sarah and said, yeah, man, you just know what? You're not producing nothing. You ain't have no babies. You can't, you're, you're not fruitful. You're not productive. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going to tell you, after a while, that would shut you down. You would just stop. 
And then what happens is because we rob people of the joy of their salvation right now and right here, even in the earth, we've robbed them of the joy. Then we start preaching a message about some glad morning. One of these days you're going to get it in the sweet by and by. Well, won't it be wonderful then? Just a few more weary days and then. One more valley, one more hill. That's a pathetic theology. Because Jesus, uh, I mean, you know, the gospel, uh, uh, even the book of Deuteronomy, God said, I'm going to give you the days of heaven on earth. And i got to tell you, man, I'm enjoying my journey. I am seeing God restore to people the joy of their salvation. In the last several months, I've had so many people walk up to me and say, you saved my life. You saved my marriage, saved my family. It's not that I did it, it's the gospel that I preach that started. I had a man walk up to me last week and tears run down his face. He said, man, I've followed you for years. And i got to tell you, dude, you literally changed my life. And i got to tell you, it does change your life. When you start shifting from Hagar's tent to Sarah's tent, and you start embracing the joy of your salvation, then you're going to receive the strength to reproduce. Because after all, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Then you get your joy back, you're going to get your strength back. And when you get your strength back, you're going to receive strength to conceive even when you're past age and it looks impossible. See, when you get people to do what they do because they're enjoying it, you will never have to tell them you need to give or you need to be in church. Or When people start to fall in love with Jesus and they get the joy of their salvation back, you're going to have to lock the gates to keep them out. I'm convinced that when we start to preach truly a pure gospel of grace, that people are going to begin to return to the house of the Lord in droves as they begin to follow after something that gives them back their life rather than take them. See, religion is a thief. It will take your life, but the real gospel will give you back your life. That's so powerful to me. And when you start to get your life back, the life becomes the light, and people will say, I want a life like that. I'm not sure we've really tapped into that fully to see people receiving the kind of a life that becomes such a light that people say, listen, that doesn't take your life, that gives you life. And that, to me, is where we're headed. I believe as the gospel restores our joy back to us, and the example that that is to people begins to be so powerful that they start to give birth to Isaac. I just want to sometimes find myself, I think even in some of the recent revivals where there just laughter is being poured out in the presence of God, it is a symbol and a sign that Isaac is being birthed and born, not from a trip to Hagar's tent, Mount Sinai, taking your faith, trying to reproduce it by human effort and sweat, but by believing God to raise the dead and to be able to do in us what we could not do for ourselves. See, that's where deliverance begins as we move from the diagnosis to the deliverance. And faith is a key mixed with grace. Two covenants coming together reproduces the fruit in our lives. Well, we're out of time. I trust you've enjoyed this series on Romans chapter 4. If you'd like to sow a seed in this ministry, and we do need your help to be able to broadcast and stay on the air, go to my website again at this uh, link, or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen with your smart device. It will take you directly to a link where you can give 
through our PayPal portal. You can use your credit card or a debit card to the portal of PayPal to do that. It's more secure that way. You could also set up a monthly debit. If you'd like to become a monthly partner, you could give a one-time gift. You can also write a check or money order, send it to the address that will come to the screen, or you can call the number on the screen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.